Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you. No better place to be on a Sunday morning than here at St. John's as we gather to worship our Lord and have His Word encourage us for our lives. We're continuing our Momentum series where we are on the other side of the resurrection, right? The one that happened on Easter. Because we know that God's plan for our redemption continues and the resurrection power is moving. And today we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, which is the story of God's grace flooding out to the world as the good news of salvation in Jesus spreads to the very ends of the earth and is all about momentum. So I'd invite you to break out those Bibles or follow along with me, if you will, as we go through in the words on the screen as they appear from Mrs. Todd. We're going to dive in today and grab hold of this Holy Spirit momentum that proclaims God's saving power for all people and invites us to participate to participate in a story and in a life and in a way of life that is bigger than we are. So we're looking at Acts chapter 3 today and we're picking up at verse 11. Now we're picking up in the middle of a story that's involving Peter and John, those two disciples. Now to give us a little context here, Pentecost has already happened, so the Holy Spirit has already been given to these two guys and we see that Peter and John uh, have just healed a man who couldn't walk since birth, but now suddenly can. Now if you're not familiar with this healing that Peter and John do, it's the one where the man who had been sitting by the temple gates for his whole life, had tons of people just pass on by, is begging and Peter stops and looks at him and says, look at us. And the man is expecting maybe some silver, maybe some gold, a little something, something. And Peter says, silver and gold we do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And he gets up and he walks. And I love the description there in the book of Acts chapter 3 because Luke, the doctor who is the author of Acts, points out how the, how the ankles and the legs are suddenly made strong. I gotta imagine a look just like when Steve Rogers gets the serum and he comes out of that thing all buff. I bet the dude's legs were super ripped with those great quads. But here we are picking up at verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Now let's pull some really cool stuff out of this. That detail held on. That should recall some images of John's gospel. Well, remember when Mary Magdalene encountered the risen Jesus, she grabbed him and held on. And we see the man here who was healed doing the same exact thing to Peter and John. Can you imagine being healed suddenly by just two random guys? Grabbing them and holding on and not wanting this to go away, but needing it to be real. So you cling as tight as you can. And in the midst of this all, Luke points out that all the people are astonished and came running because those guys that used to follow with Jesus, the ones who were at Pentecost and there was that really weird wind noise and they were speaking all the languages, they just healed a guy. They healed a guy that every single day of his life was begging at the temple gates in Solomon's colonnade. Now it's interesting that Luke points out where they do it at. Because Solomon's colonnade is where Jesus stood up and said in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd, that his sheep know his voice and follow him. Remember, Jesus called Peter to be a shepherd last week, to feed the sheep, to care for the sheep. So here is Peter, reconciled to the risen Jesus, commissioned and sent to feed the sheep right where Jesus was doing what Jesus did. And when Peter saw this, 
He said to them, those are the people, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now Peter says fellow because he is identifying himself as one of these Israelites. And he's using that name Israelites because he's emphasizing and reminded them that that is the name that was given to them by God. That name reveals their status as God's chosen people. They are the descendants of Jacob to whom God's promises that were made to Abraham are going to be fulfilled. And at the same time that he is bringing them back to all this history, he also reproaches them. He says, stop and stop looking at me and John as if the healing of this man had something to do with our own power or our own piety. Don't focus on the human instruments through whom God healed, but focus on God himself, the God that they have known, the God of their forefathers. See, Peter's emphasizing his shared Jewish identity and teaching and showing us and them that there is a continuity between God's present action that's happening here at Solomon's Colonnade through the apostles and the former deeds that God has been doing for his people throughout the entire Old Testament. The God who is acting through the apostles is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he calls them to. The God who is revealed in Jesus Christ who he calls out to. The same God who spoke redemption to Eve, who was revealed to Moses at the burning bush, who made promises to these patriarchs and to his servant David, is the one and only God and is continuing to act in Jesus. Now through these apostles and friends, you better believe he is still in and acting with us who bear his name as his church to this very day. And Peter speaks these words to them. He says, you, the Israelites, the chosen people, handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. People always ask me, why do we start our services with confession? Isn't life hard enough that I got to come in here and admit how broken and all the wrongs that I have done? Friends, we cannot forget this truth. We cannot forget that we are the ones, it is our sin that caused our Savior to die. But God raised him from the dead. We hear this truth and we like them stand condemned in sin. But friends, God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't leave us in that sickness or slavery of sin. Didn't put on us the penalty of eternal death, but rather he raised Christ Jesus to life for us. And if you didn't know your purpose, it's there in those last five words. We are witnesses of this. Witnesses and spreaders of this refreshing momentum of the healing presence we have in Jesus Christ. It is by the power contained in the name of Jesus, the name that you were baptized into and have received, that healing and life and refreshment occur. Last week I asked you, how has God's reconciling work in your life, how has it brought you momentum to face the day? And I challenged you to share that reconciliation with others. 
If I called on you, could you stand up and give witness to how he has healed you? Could you stand up and give witness to how the author of life has given you life? Friends, did you who have received reconciliation go to someone and seek the same? Did you give or ask for forgiveness from someone? Did you take steps to bring peace? Did you spend time in prayer asking God to remove all that would harden your heart and separate you from being reconciled to Him and to one another? Because there is power in the momentum of reconciliation and there is power in the momentum of refreshment. The refreshment that comes from being healed by the risen Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit that He has given. Power in the name of Jesus and strength. Peter says that by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Do you not know, have you not heard, that that same healing, that complete healing given to the man in the name of Jesus has been given to you as well? That good shepherd who we just sang about brings you to the refreshing waters, brings you to the green pastures. That's not some life or some mansion that's going to be somewhere down the line or on the other side of the fence. It's right in your midst. It's within you. It's the heart of Jesus Christ for you, given to you. Not some outside place. It's here and here. Peter again stands in beauty, says, Fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent and turn. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the prophets. Peter's talking about that ignorance at the cross. You remember when Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. But he implies now that the stakes are higher. No longer can we claim ignorance. No longer can we people who just walk by. Paul's going to tell us in Acts 17, no longer will God overlook the ignorance of the world, but all people must repent and receive the Son whom out of love for us God allowed to suffer and die. And who for us in His resurrection, in the victory He won for us, has wiped away our sins and brought about a refreshing flood of the Spirit. That's That's the promise of refreshment, the peace and power of the Holy Spirit given to all who believe. A spirit that is given without limit. Now we are reminded that the last days we are living in them. And the Lord is going to come back and restore everything. But in the meantime, we, as God is holding back so that others can be saved, have to repent and turn to God to receive the refreshment and to share it. Repent, turn, and receive the momentum that comes from His healing. Now, I want to bring something out here for you in the text. Truth about this refreshment that we have. 
See, I don't think it is an accident that Peter here is shown healing a man that several thousands of people walked by each and every single year. And that Peter is standing with the Israelites speaking about a refreshing spirit. It's not an accident because it is something he learned to do from Jesus. In order to see and to understand and to feel, you have to come close. You can read about something, study it, but you can't really know something until you get close. You're always going to be at a distance, but when you get come close, you can touch it. There's no accidents here. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It wasn't an accident that He was tempted and tried, just like each one of us has been, yet He is without sin. It wasn't an accident that Jesus wept, that He felt pain, that He was born a man, that He lived with humans. He purposefully entered into the mess because He is a God of relationships, a God of closeness, a God who knows and sees and hears. A bruised reed he doesn't break, a smoldering wick he doesn't snuff out, and a broken heart he comes close to. He is a God of refreshment. And if you find yourself asking, well, why? Like the psalmist looking up, seeing creation, seeing the moon and the stars, and wondering, why, God? Why are you mindful of me? Why do you care for me? Why would you draw close to me? Find yourself feeling like Peter, being like, keep your distance, Lord, because if you really knew me, you wouldn't want to draw close. Distance makes it hard to feel close. I don't have to tell you, that's why the pandemic, long-distance relationships, absence, death hurt so much. Because so often what is found at the root, at the very bottom of the issues is distance this unwillingness to enter in, to get close, to listen. It is easier to walk by, walk away, or drive people away. But we have been called to draw close. We confess our sins because we know that sin separates us, divides us, but we have a God who comes close to us. And you know why He comes close. It's because He loves you. An unconditional love, a love that does not require some sort of worth in us, but is just simply given on account of what Christ has done. Arms open wide, stretched out to you. Jesus entered in, drew close, took our sin, and brought us healing and wholeness, brought closeness to us once again, and this refreshing momentum of being held, being held tight in spite of our failures and our inadequacies and our shame and guilt. His closeness instead brings healing and gives life, gives hope, restores every broken heart. See, Peter and John and all the apostles learned to draw close and to show compassion and tender care for the people that they encountered and healed. They heard the parable of the Good Samaritan too when Jesus taught it, you remember. Notice that dude is hanging on to Peter and he doesn't shoo him away saying, dude, you've been healed, get on your way. He doesn't condemn the people 
and say, you had your chance. He instead stands with them and invites them to come close to Jesus, to repent and to turn to Jesus, to hold Jesus, to come experience the closeness with the God who has been with his people since the beginning with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who has never left his people who to this day in bread and wine will come close to us, his people, who through words of forgiveness comes close to us, his people, nourishes and refreshes us, his people. And it is not an accident that he calls us to worship together each week as his people. So I'm going to bring the band back up and we're going to close it out. And as they make their way up this week, I want you to do the same kind of thing you did last week. I want you to mirror the actions of the two men in our story. There was the crippled man holding on to the healing you have in Jesus. I want you to reflect and to hold on to the healing that you have in Jesus. How his presence brings you that refreshing peace and momentum to carry onward. Deuteronomy describes God as the God who is close to his people. We call him Father because we are his children. He seeks us and holds us and refreshes us. He is our truth, our hope. That he takes each one of us by the hand, gives us what we need, and draws us close to him. So reflect on that closeness that you have. Let it refresh you this week as you draw close to him and hold him tight. Go to him in prayer. And I will challenge you once more. I will challenge you with this idea of closeness and distance. Faced with the man who was left at the side of the road, some decided to walk on, to stay distant from the situation. They preferred to ignore the facts of someone in need and carry on as if nothing had happened, as if no one was literally laying there dying. They were imprisoned, slaves to their cells, and in their various kinds of thinking and justification, believed that someone else was going to come by and do it. They couldn't possibly spend the time to get involved, and so they passed on. But the poor, the naked, the sick, the most vulnerable, the children are among us and laying there today within our very reach. And I beg you, Don't pass them by, but draw close. The first step is to draw close. The second is to pray, and the third is to get involved. For the need is real, and we are already late. Stop and draw close and let yourself be challenged. Join us here in our church as we come alongside vulnerable children and their families. Hundreds of children in Orange and Orange County slept in parks or cars last night or abusive homes and they are in need of you we have a ministry here called safe families that draws close to them and brings them into our homes for a few days to help and give them care you can open your homes and draw close hundreds of kinship families are in need of support and are one bad break away from having to give up the very children they once welcomed into their home because some other family member couldn't do it These children have suffered so much already. We need to draw close to them, to support them through our care community program. All that requires of you is giving one meal a month 
maybe helping take a child to a soccer practice. That will get them by. We have young teenagers who are in need of your mentorship, your guidance, your love. A friend invited me to sit with one the other day, and I didn't know this, but that child could stay in the cycle of abuse and never be able to leave where he is because he doesn't know how to fill out a college application. He needed me to sit there and help him write. One child, two hours of undivided time. You put the phone down and you pay attention to them so that they can be seen because they come from a family of 11. But you can learn their name and play with them. Friends, I challenge you to open your hearts and draw close to the need that is here in our midst. Draw close, pray, and choose to act. Leave behind this culture of self and look at their eyes, their faces, their hands, and the needs of those around us. Be the children of God who participate and live in this refreshing momentum of His resurrection. And I promise you, I promise you, you will be refreshed as you experience this momentum and this drawing close to those in need. So will you stand with me and pray as the band begins to lead us in our next song?